Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, hey, hey. It's Faye OJ and you're tuned into The Motion, where we get conversation moving in the best way possible. From music to culture to politics to fashion, this podcast is due to get your emotions in motion. So just like every week, I'm joined with two great guests at a different motion, and they are tasked with the challenge of swaying my vote in their direction. Usually the topic would be inspired by something that's happened recently or something I've seen, but not this week. This week, a random thought just popped into my head during a conversation, and that was whether there is such a thing as a bad film. Now, admittedly, I am no film guru. My idea of a good film was probably everyone else's idea of a bad film. The first film to make me cry, I am proud to say, was Tangled, and after that, it was Home, the alien cartoon with Rihanna in it. But I think that's what makes this conversation even more interesting. Luckily for you, I've got two film students with me, Waz and Izzy. Waz believes that there are objective criteria which you can judge films by, and therefore there is such a thing as a bad film. Hi, I'm Waz. I've been on The Motion before, episode one, talking about drug culture in hip-hop, but today I'm going to be talking about film, since I study film, doing a master's in film and that makes my opinion completely valid. Whereas Izzy accepts that there's objective criteria, but thinks the most important thing is the subjective feeling that a film evokes, and I guess gives little weight to the term a bad film. Um, Izzy, I've done more of a film degree than Waz has because he did film and lit and I actually did pure film. My opinion's definitely more valid than his. Love, love, love the energy already, but it's now time to hear a bit more about what Waz and Izzy think. It's time for the opening statements. There is a standard baseline of what makes a film a film. A bad film is a director flouting every sort of maxim of film that we know. Poor acting, for example, that can be a contributing factor to a bad film. Poor editing, if an edit throws you off balance, if it throws you off kilter, you can consider it a bad edit. Bad films exist when they do these things wrong, when they fail to do these things correctly. If there's a film that is attempting to do something and it doesn't quite reach what it's trying to do, it can be considered bad. Regardless if you enjoy it, that opinion is valid. I don't think that just because somebody else enjoys it subjectively that they can say it's a good film because at the end of the day, it's tried to get something across, it's tried to evoke something generally, and it's failed to do that. I kind of also think that there can be objective criteria for film in the sense that there can be criteria that are based on art as an object rather than objective as in they're factually correct. And the ones that I use or that I prefer to use are um, Beardsley's, and it's unity, intensity, complexity. Complexity refers to whether a film is intertextual, so if it sort of like references other things, if it's self-aware. Unity is like if the editing style is the same throughout, and then intensity is sort of just like how much of something it can convey. So like how much it conveys sadness or comedy. While you can have certain objective criteria for film, to just say a film is technically good, therefore it is good, kind of removes the more emotional aspects of film which uh, what make it art whenever you look at any piece of art you kind of you make it a separate piece of art in your own mind saying 
this artist tried to do this and he did it, therefore this thing is good, in my opinion, isn't valid because someone can try and do something and fail but still make something good accidentally or some, they can make what they intended to make and it can still be like kind of crap. Amazing. So now I'm just going to probe a little bit deeper into why Waz and Izzy think what they think so I can deepen my understanding and in turn hopefully deepen yours if you are a novice like myself. Oscar Wilde is a writer and he said all art is quite useless. I think what he meant by that is that on its own, it has no value. Art gains value in the effect it has on people. For a film to actually be bad, it'd have to have like no effect or negative effect on everyone. Wouldn't you say, whilst that's sort of just impossible? It might be useful because it has an effect on somebody, but it can still be bad. It can be bad and useful. Somebody might get a use out of it. They might be entertained by it. They might find it funny, educational, informative. It might have any sort of minimal effect on them. It's impossible to say that it wouldn't have an effect on them. But that just means it's useful. It doesn't mean it's good. Izzy, what does that inspire you? In line with what Oscar Wilde said, like, there was this theorist, um, Peter Lamarck. If art has no effect on art appreciators, it is hard to see how it would have any value at all. For me, art isn't... It's not useful in the sense that a chair is useful, where regardless of how you feel emotionally towards a chair, it's going to support you. Hopefully. <laughs> to, yeah, hopefully. A film to you obviously can be objectively, technically good or bad. American Pie 2, for example, is a pretty bang average film in terms of like, I don't know, it's really sexist and it's all these things, mm. but it's like a comfort film to watch for me. And even though I know it's sort of technically not the best thing in the world, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And so because of that, I would say like, because I have a strong emotional response to it, I would say it's good art. Right, and that actually leads me on to my next point, because... I researched the worst films of the 2010s and I was actually heartbroken to see a lot of my favourite films on there. <laughs> Remember Me with Robert Patterson, the last song, Miley Cyrus, Liam Hemsworth. I mean, that film is what established their like 10-year relationship. Surely, forget the technicals, if there are people out there, a whole generation that are like moved by it, then how is there room for objective criteria when emotions are involved? Because there is a science to making films. There are certain things that need to be done to make a film. Orson Welles is uh, Citizen Kane. That's like oh, yeah. considered the most technically impressive film ever because it, it does everything right in terms of what a film's supposed to do. So when a film is like the polar opposite of that and doesn't do those things, it can be seen as bad. I'm not even disputing the fact that there's emotional response. Bad films are my guilty pleasure. But I will never say that this is a good film because I know it's bad and I know I'm watching it because it's bad. You could argue the same with reality TV. I don't watch reality TV because I think it's useful other than I want to pass time and engage in something so minimally that it doesn't... Dude, you, you do not engage with Love Island minimally. <laughs> <laughs> it's passive viewing. I'll always maintain that these certain things are bad because I've come to understand what good is and these things tend to not be it. Thinking of a recent example like Cats, the CGI was actually bad. When you're putting it out for people to view, there are certain things that I think should be illegal. Like, you shouldn't really leave a film scared. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, unless, unless it's a horror film, Izzy. Well, go on with that. Like, where are the, like, gatekeepers to be like, this can't be on film? Obviously, Cats is a very uh, emotive recent example, isn't it? I've not seen it, but I work at a cinema, and I, I've served people who've come in, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is my fifth time watching this film. They're like, it's horrifying. I hate it, but I just can't look away. It's like a car crash, isn't it? The Room is, like, it's, so, it, it's kind of one of those films where it's classed as, like, so bad it's good. 
where the enjoyment of the film and I think it just comes down to how you say what you mean when you say good and bad like it's bad on every single conceivable technical level it is a film only in that it is on screen but it is so so good because it is so enjoyable to just laugh at it over the last couple days I've watched Lady Bird and Goodfellas and they're both excellent excellent films but I had to kind of put myself in a mind frame of like, okay, I'm about to watch a good film, so I need to like sit up and focus and like I need to give this my attention. Whereas if I'm watching like Lilo and Stitch or something, which again I love, but like I can Great have film. it on in the background Great and I can not really have to think about it that much. I disagree. So, I think Lilo and Stitch you have to think about. There's, <laughs> not, there's a lot going on there actually. If you don't want to watch a horrifying film, just don't watch it. Critics, every review told you that Cats was horrifying. <laughs> if you if you go and see it anyway, that's like that's your own fault. Like you shouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> On critics as well, you have critics like you know Rotten Tomatoes. You have award shows like the Oscars. People clearly put weight into certain people's opinions, or they put weight into certain award shows. Like surely, by that nature, this classification does exist, regardless. Because otherwise, how would some things like gain enough weight to be taken as sort of gospel? I think that's more an argument for taste than it is for objectivism. The reason objective criteria are really, really good and really useful for film is because you kind of have all critics, if in theory you would have all critics go like, this is the baseline from which I'm analysing this film, this is how it succeeds or fails on these technical and objective levels, and then here is my emotional response. That's my ideal review of a film. And with taste, like, I mean, the Oscars famously can just be so, so wrong. Why would you say it's so important, though? I don't really have many opinions on the Oscars. I don't think they are that important. I think the Oscars are just a load of snobby film buffs getting together and saying, like, oh, here's what we think is really good because it is about their taste. I think the Oscars are there because they're there and they've made themselves important, not necessarily because they're important. For sure. You have cinemas, like, full of people. Like, you have an Oscar room full of, like, ten people. Surely, at the end of the day, what matters is the perception that you put onto the masses rather than the few. Very much so, like, mass appeal. If enough people consider something good, it becomes good. I don't think necessarily there is just the baseline based on technicality. The Oscars sometimes doesn't recognise that. The Oscars is very niche in the sense that it would be like, we consider this good, so it's good, which isn't necessarily always conducive to judging art. But also, the masses are stupid. Similarly, the masses can decide something is good, but it's bad, because the masses don't necessarily know what's good for them. In the sense that there's government, because the people can't rule themselves. Especially new people, people that don't necessarily know what they're getting into, need to, to look to something. The Oscars is a good thing to look to to see what's good that year because they might not be that clued up on what's good and also people in the industry need to get their flowers when they do something good because you know you need recognition for your hard work would you not say that that when you institutionalize something you sort of remove the general purpose behind it so with film or with art i'd say creating purpose and evoking emotion at the end of the day film is an institution to where started as an institution it has street levels as well so we don't forget that there's like underground films that go to um, film festivals every year. I like people that shoot films in their front room and put them on Instagram TV, for example. But there are lower levels that don't necessarily even answer to these higher ups. But if it comes to a thing where billions of, of dollars are involved, it kind of needs to be regulated. So in the sense that bad films can't be made weekly and people aren't getting paid, 
you know, 50 million for making something that's just objectively trash. With two all the boys I loved before. It's basically based on a book. And the first one I thought was actually quite enjoyable. The second one, I think they decreased the rating, like the age rating. Not much happened. I tweeted, this is like a really bad film. And someone said, as long as there is the books and an audience, they're going to keep on making more films. I think we've got to a position where it's not the norm, but it's very much a focus. A lot of films aren't put through because they probably think they're not going to make that much money and that can definitely decrease and diminish the value of art and it's definitely not a marker on whether a film is good or bad how much it grosses because for example the Fast and Furious films which are horrible films and I'll die on that hill <laughs> <laughs> they make so much money and I think to be honest being in collation between business and art ruins it more than objective criteria i want to respond by saying the fast and furious films are camp and they are wonderful and they are brilliant and they make a lot of money and also i think in terms of like what you're saying with like um films that are designed to make money over being artistically valuable i think a lot of from my understanding of where like the study of mise-en-scene came from mise-en-scene (laughs) <laughs> it's a French term. So mise-en-scene is like basically everything that's happening in the frame of a film or TV show. So it's like the lighting, the set design, the costume, the acting, just basically everything that could be there. Sort of like 40s and 50s Hollywood films. At the time, they were seen by most sort of like global, like foreign markets as in foreign to US. They were seen as like really bad films that just had no real message and that were massive artistic failures, even though they were commercially like financial successes back then directors would be paid by studios to make five films and they had to crank those five films out as fast as they could so they could move on to their next thing those directors instead of making a film that like you know they didn't write the films they didn't have much control over the plot they would instead put their artistic vision into the mise-en-scene of the scene and the study of what is going on within the frame was born out of french film critics wanting to find value in those films and they were the first people to kind of be like this film is a a racist, sexist piece of crap. But if you look at it through this lens and you think of like these little details that the directors put in, you can actually really appreciate this aspect of the film. Restriction breeds creativity. As film students, so when you see things like, say, Marvel, how do you view them? Do you judge them with like the same criteria you would like with films you're mentioning? Or are you like, this is a film made from a comic book? It's different. Like the first Avengers film, I think that is like a really, really like amazing look at how character can be handled in film and i think for something like avengers to bring together characters that have been established over loads of other films and have them all interact in a way that feels true to all those characters is like a massive testament to like the storytelling ability of the people who make those films um and i guess like you know we're gonna have to talk about the whole martin scorsese thing recently where he was like oh marvel isn't cinema he's talking about like cinema needing to take risks and stuff but like every film he does has the same actor it's all like gangsters and stuff like i think his films are good like i like them like i watched goodfellas the other day thought it was sick but like that that kind of comes from like a snobbish view is marvel the same as like an independent or foreign film no it's different i'd say i view each marvel film individually and some of them are bad Thor is bad not Thor 3, but some of the Thors are bad, but they're not bad for the same reasons. Like an indie film that's trying to be like edgy is bad. They're just bad because they don't reach the criteria of like a comic book movie. And then you can look at like the more recent ones, which are, are good. And you'd be like, okay, that's really good for a comic book movie. Like Iron Man 1, I think is just a good film. Like take it as a comic book film, take it as whatever. I think it's just like, it is good. Like it, it yeah, it meets a lot of, what yeah what we would argue are like positive criteria 
And I think films that sort of rely too heavily on having seen the previous films. It's interesting because like sequels, generally speaking, sequels tend to be worse than their previous film, with obviously notable exceptions like Toy Story 2 and like Godfather Part 2 and stuff like that. You can say if you have to have watched seven films to understand film number eight, film number eight is a bad standalone film. But then also you do have to consider, well, there are seven other films that are leading into this film. So like do the work and watch those films. Like all art exists in conversation with other things and some pieces of art are going to ask you to do more work than others and like if you don't want to do the work that's fine but so if you've listened before you know it's now time for me to backtrack a little bit and just allow Waz and Izzy to directly interact with each other it's time for the main debate Izzy you said that the intention doesn't necessarily matter because what comes at the end is more important than what the artist intended to do. I don't agree with you in the sense that the artist's intention always gets muddied, but the intention of a film as itself could be to entertain, could be to evoke emotion, educate, whatever. If it fails to do these things, the intention can still be, it can still matter because the intention wasn't met. I'll go back to Fast and Furious actually. The intention of the film seems to be a serious action film which you watch for the spectacle, bromance, and like the family and that, that kind of stuff. And even though that's the intention, I think the fact that the film fails to do that still creates a wonderfully camp experience. Susan Sontag is like a feminist academic. She talks about camp being, at its core, it's something that is trying to be serious and failing. Obviously camp is something that's like very heavily used by like um, queer communities. So I don't mean to say camp is bad, or that stuff that is trying to be good and failing is bad, therefore it's camp, but like camp within this context, in in my opinion, a very positive way, you know, every time Dominic Toretto's all like family, like it's just funny. And that's not the intention of the film, but for me that makes it a better film because I'm like, I enjoy it. I'd understand that in the sense that there's a lot of films, so I can think of one called Paid in Full, which is like a black film. I can understand if you're not black, you might not like it. This is not saying that you won't enjoy it because you're not black, but it kind of speaks to hip-hop culture and the wider story. Everybody's like, oh, paid in full. Have you seen paid in full? That's an experience in and of itself, being black. You can value the film on that in the sense that it's, it's a different reading of it. It's like a, it's a racial reading of it. Whereas on like the surface, you can watch it and you'll be like, this isn't that very, very good. Technically, the acting's poor, etc., etc. It's interesting because like now I feel like I'm maybe going to argue about intention but on the other side of the argument because you can have a film that is intentionally technically bad in order to like achieve a certain goal. Fight Club for example, the way it like splices Tyler Durden in every now and again. Arguably technically bad because it's like a moment that's gonna, you're not gonna see him and it's just gonna like make every viewer be like oh what the hell's going on. The reason it's done is to like make a film that kind of like distorts and that makes you question your perception of it. An artwork having some, some technical flaw that boosts the overall message of the art or the experience of the art, I would say, then leads to good art. For me, it's almost like it doesn't mean to me that that's good because it's done that. I still think what the hell they did on screen is taking me out of the viewing experience. I think there's definitely a discussion to be had and I'm not discounting bad art, but I'm not going to call it good art. What is your favourite bad film? What's your favourite bad film? Enter the Dragon. It's a Bruce Lee film. 80s kung fu so typical 80s fashion when somebody falls over the white bit of smoke comes by <laughs> i guess i can understand why people like fast and furious because it is pretty much just a, an advancement of these films and i think i really like it because 
Wu-Tang use it quite a lot in their album skits. I keep trying to think of something else, but mine probably would have to be American Pie 2. I just love watching it. Like, every time I watch it, I just laugh. And, like, I know it's got, like, so many issues with it and all those kinds of films that are just, like, objectifying and, like, I, I disagree with all that stuff, but, like, just as a as like a comfort film to just kind of watch and like make fun of. I, I love it. I thought about a whole group of film that fails in all areas that are still so enjoyable. And it's Nigerian films. I am Nigerian myself, <laughs> so I can say this. They are awful. Someone will shoot someone and the person will die on the other side of the road five minutes later. <laughs> I think that's just like a whole culture that's like needed. I don't disagree with you at all, but... I think you have to view Nollywood in isolation. You can't put it up against Hollywood. But why? Economic disparity, for one, and cultural difference. To my mum, when somebody's getting poisoned with, you know, you know, something they cooked in the kitchen and then give to their husband, and then the husband has, like, a huge reaction to it, and then there's loud, dramatic music. To her, that's, like shocking and damning because potentially that happened back home you know they might know stories similar to that for them to watch that on screen and be like i can relate or not necessarily relate directly but you know through hearsay or just cultural you know relevance to them they definitely aren't all bad technically they are probably objectively bad films like actually you've got me here would you say it's a thing where you judge it based on like all the nollywood films or would you say nollywood as a whole is bad cinema it's harsh to call it bad because i don't think it's trying to be hollywood so what it's trying to do it achieves but if you do look at it globally you would say yeah that's a bad cinema and that's why it doesn't win foreign language oscars for example in countries where places are richer korea japan where they have more money the means to compete with hollywood they do make good cinema. Objectively speaking, you could say Nollywood is a bad cinema because it doesn't do what cinema as a whole is supposed to do, but you can't discount it because it's not their own fault. Why is Hollywood the, like... Benchmark. It has the curse of being first, I guess. And America's America. In my humble opinion, I don't think it is the best cinema I've seen. For me, Parasite was just one of the main Oscar. It's one of my favourite films ever. Yeah. Straight into my top top three yeah. basically anime tv shows are my favorite tv shows of all time as well hollywood has the reach that a lot of foreign countries don't and i don't think it should but it does if you're only judging everything by like one set of criteria you are essentially gonna like remove a lot of cultural difference which isn't really fair all areas like in fashion in music beauty only seeing western standards like the golden standard it's like all being broken down i think that's more to izzy's point i know you're both saying that objective standards but if you put one above the other in terms of taste you are reducing the like multiplicity spanish tv is very like over dramatic it's to its favor they allow you to enter into a different culture which i think is the beautiful thing about art and i feel like if you sort of keep it to this like one objective standard that you put on a high pedestal you lose all of that i think things like even calling them like bollywood and nollywood essentially renders them in comparison to hollywood which yeah. like what i said isn't fair because you have economic and cultural differences and yeah while we've maybe been arguing for one like our sets of objective things like there's obviously going to be so many out there and the argument's just going to kind of come down to like who can argue best what why their criteria are better than others to be honest we might not even have found the best objective criteria yeah like for me parasite had such a 
profound effect on me that I had to watch it twice within the space of three days, and I was going to watch it third. Say, Mystery Country comes out, and their cinema is just, like, excellent. It always hits all these notes. I'm open to it. It would still be objective. Might just not have found the perfect formula yet. Uh, have you seen Ladybird? I tried to rewatch it, and then I think what was really annoying was that I noticed how white it was. Yeah, my mate Josh um, kind of had that complaint about it. I thought, like, obviously because Greta Gerwig is, like, a white California director, I thought it was useful as sort of, like, a vehicle for, like, talking about, like, white female coming-of-age stories. And so when I watched Ladybird, I found the editing to be so quick and the scenes to be so short um, for the first, like, two-thirds of the film that it genuinely made me anxious watching it. But I still say technically it was good. But like, what do you think about films like that where, you know, there's a technical effect that's so overwhelming that it, like, creates a very, like, negative reaction? So, like, you said 1917 was boring. I thought 1917 was exhausting because of how it keeps you with the characters the entire time. I was just like, I'm not getting a break from this film. And with Ladybird as well, it was just like, I loved the film, like, loved Ladybird's pieces, but it was just like scene after scene after scene after scene. And I was just like, oh, like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm exhausted. That's like me and Uncut Gems. I had to take a break halfway through because I wanted to throw up at a point. It's <laughs> the definition of an exhausting character. And like, it's weird because we all spoke about three good films here. Like Uncut Gems, Seventy, and Ladybird. Yeah, agreed. You know, you would argue that they're technically very sound films, but they do have these feelings where you're just like, this is nauseating and I probably can't do this again. Uncut Gems is definitely trying to make you feel nervous throughout. It's trying to make you feel like something's going to go wrong. I'd say it definitely has value because their intention is clear and they achieve that through what they're doing. Great. So I've definitely learned a lot, but it's now your final opportunity to get me on your side. It's time for the closing statements. There's value in having objective criteria for film and technical criteria that make things good. But I think because films are art, you have to include room for emotional response, which is always going to be subjective. That's the shortest closing statement this whole show has had. Whilst art does evoke subjective emotional response, um, there are objective criteria to discuss and evaluate our all art by, whether that be in music, if somebody can sing well. Whilst films can evoke subjective personal emotion, films can be objectively bad similarly. Just because you think a film is good for you doesn't mean that it's good if it doesn't reach these tick boxes that are set out. So, as usual, my head has swung both ways during this debate, and I think that's because I don't think you guys are actually coming from that different areas, but I think the small area which you differ is what has won this person the debate. I don't want it to take two L's on the motion. It's actually so tight. But I aligned more with Izzy's side only because I feel like the whole nature of there being a bad film comes from this, like, snobby criteria. And I think that sort of removes the, like, beauty of what I think art is. Even though I do agree with, like, what you said about there being room for science and objectivity in art. But I think, all in all, there's such thing as a bad film but it doesn't really matter if it's bad, if it still evokes emotion, if it still has a movement, if it still can be enjoyed. Films are supposed to be enjoyed, right? Don't listen to what 
me, Waz, any film critic, any film student or film buff says, go out and watch as many films as you can and make your own opinions and argue them with everyone. So I'll be back again next week with a new debate and two great guests. Have a great week, everybody, and stay safe. Make sure to keep up with us on at the motion underscore. Interact with us and let us know what you think. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.